Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. God really will help restore broken relationships. You've known those people like Jacob, right? Those toxic people that seem to blow up every relationship. Think about the different relationships that he had. His brother Esau, he manipulated and deceived his own brother to steal his spiritual blessing and also his family inheritance. His mother and father, Isaac and Rebekah, he willingly conspired with his mother and blew up his parents' marriage just for the sake of money. His wives, yes, I said wives, Leah and Rachel, his favoritism of one over the other and his lack of sensitivity blew up the relationship between those two sisters to the point where they could hardly speak to each other because they were so jealous and envious of each other. Each of them had servants, Bilhah and Zilpah. They also became baby mamas, I guess would be the way to say it. They became uh, drawn into the family feud as well. And yes, Jacob was right at the very center of it, not once, not twice, but repeatedly. And then, of course, there's his father-in-law, Laban, a man that he had a 20-year history with. And over the course of 20 years, it was manipulation after fraud, after deceit, after lie, after manipulation and one-upsmanship all for the sake of money. Jacob's had enough, and he wants to return home, but he's afraid that he's probably permanently poisoned the relationship with his brother Esau. He stole his brother's future, both his spiritual blessing as well as the family inheritance, and Esau swore that he would kill him for what he did. Jacob's mother, Rebekah, saved his life by helping his him escape to her brother Laban's place, and she promised to send for him when it was safe to come home. But it's been 20 years, 20 years of standing by the mailbox, 20 years of waiting by the phone, 20 years of checking the email. Yeah, I know, they didn't have any of that. But 20 years of looking out over the horizon, waiting for a messenger to come, and he never came. Had Esau forgiven him yet? Did Jacob even have any hope left that maybe Esau would or could forgive him? In Genesis 32, I want to share with you some of the steps to reconciliation that Jacob was able to take to make things right and get back to the place where he really wanted to be. Step number one is realizing that God will help restore broken relationships. It is possible. In chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When he saw them, he said, this is the camp of God's army. And so he named that place Mahanium, or two army camps. You see, Jacob had gotten God's reassurance that he was not making this potentially life-threatening trip on his own. In other words, it wasn't just him, but God was working with him. God was going with him. God was working behind the scenes. And God had made 
his will clear. He also does that in the New Testament. For example, in Romans 12, verse 18, he says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And in Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace and to be holy. And finally, in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Step number two is to learn how to show respect again if you're going to restore relationships. Jacob sends an advance notice to Esau that he's on his way. In verse 3, 4, and 5 of Genesis 32, Jacob sends messengers ahead to his brother Esau. He says, your servant Jacob says, I have lived with Laban all of these years, and I send this message to you and ask you to accept us. Learning how to show respect to others again is crucial to establishing and reconnecting those relationships. Because honestly, that's probably what broke that relationship to start with. That sense of not showing respect to someone else. But instead, if we'll give them advance notice, instead of just dropping by out of the blue, or you know, dropping our surprise on them, that advance notice a lot of times allows them necessary time to prepare their own heart. A third step in restoring broken relationships is overcoming your fear that inevitably will be there. In verses 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis 32, it says, We met your brother Esau, and he's already on his way to meet you. Well, there was good news, right? But the bad news is his servants reported to Jacob, and he's bringing an army of 400 men with him. Jacob was terrified at that news. All of the family, his wives, his sons, his servants, all of the herds and flocks, he divided everybody that he had into two different groups. And his thinking was this, if Esau attacks one group, then maybe the other group can escape. Now, in all likelihood, Esau didn't trust Jacob either when he heard that he was making his way back to meet him. That's why he probably gathered his own troops. And likewise, Jacob didn't trust Esau that he would come in peace either. But Jacob had been doing what God wanted him to do. And that's why he was willing to make every possible plan to overcome his fear so that he might restore that relationship. In verses 9 through 12, of Genesis 32, it says that Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I'll treat you well. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you've shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. And now my household fills two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you promised me I'll surely treat you well and I'll multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sand of the sea. Too many to count. You know, there's one thing about fear. 
it certainly motivates us to pray. God, I tried to do what you promised, Jacob says. Now, you do what you promised to me. Protect me and protect my family from Esau. Jacob would spend the entire night in prayer because he was absolutely terrified of what the next day was going to bring. Step five in this, make things right if you're going to restore relationships. The following passage is in chapter 32 of Genesis, verse 13 through 21. Jacob stayed in that place for the night. He prepared some things to give to Esau as a gift. He looked out over his herds and his flocks. This is an indication of how incredibly wealthy he had become over 20 years. He took 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 female sheep and 20 male sheep. He took 30 camels and their offspring, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 20 male donkeys, and he gave each flock of animals to his servants. And then he said, separate them in each group of animals. And I want you to go ahead of me and keep some space between each herd. And then Jacob gave them these orders. To the servant with the first group of animals, he said, When Esau, my brother, comes to you and asks, Whose animals are these and where are you going? Whose servant are you? This is the answer you should give. These animals belong to your servant Jacob. He sent them as a gift to you, my master Esau. And he also is coming behind us. And Jacob also ordered the second servant to do the same, and the third servant to do the same, and all the other servants to do exactly the same thing. You'll say the very same thing to Esau whenever you meet him. Say to him, this is a gift to you, and your servant Jacob is coming behind us. Jacob thought, if I send these men ahead with gifts, then maybe Esau will forgive me and accept me. And so he sent the gifts to Esau, but he stayed that night there in the camp. Jacob had become incredibly wealthy. If he's able to offer a herd of five to six hundred animals as a gift to Esau and still have enough of a herd and enough flocks left to take care of his own family, that's an amazing amount of wealth in that day. Ironically, the Hebrew word for gift that he uses to say this is a gift to you, Esau, is the same word that's used for blessing. The same word, blessing, that was used to describe what Jacob had stolen from Esau 20 years earlier. It's as though he now wants to communicate to his brother Esau, I know what I took from you, and I want to make it right. I want to give to you what I stole from you. He's offering to make things right by replacing what was taken. An awfully big part of reconciliation is restitution. Going beyond just an apology, going beyond just feeling bad, but actually offering justice. In the New Testament, there was a little guy named Zacchaeus who was so convicted by Jesus in his teaching that he offered to repay anyone up to four times the amount that he'd stolen from them in his own dishonesty. You see, if we're going to make things right and show and prove to God and everyone that we're serious about restoring relationships, we need to make sure that we do everything we can to do just that 
and make things right. Step number six is to stop fighting God and be honest about who you've been if you're going to restore relationships. That night, it says in verse 13 and following, Jacob got up and began moving his two wives, his two maids, his 11 sons all across the Jabbok River at the crossing. And after he sent his family across the river, he sent across everything else he had. And then it says in verse 24 of Genesis 32, Jacob was left alone. And in that moment of quiet in the middle of the night, he found himself wrestling not with himself, but with an angel from God. The man fought with Jacob until the sun came up, and when he saw he couldn't defeat Jacob, he touched Jacob's leg and put it out of socket. And then he said to Jacob, let me go, the sun's coming up. And Jacob said, I will not let you go, you must bless me. And the man said to him, what is your name? Say your name, Jacob. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you've been. And that's exactly what Jacob does. My name is Jacob, the deceiver, the liar, the tripster. And then the man says, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your, na your name will now be Israel. I give you this name because you fought with God and with man and you have prevailed. Jacob then asked him, what is your name? He says, why do you ask? And then he blessed Jacob at that place. And so Jacob named the place Peniel. And he says, I have seen the face of God, but my life was spared. And the sun came up as Jacob left Peniel. And he was limping because of his leg. More than likely, Jacob may very easily have assumed at first that it was Esau who had jumped him in the middle of the night. And that entire night was spent in a constant wrestling match. Now, there may have been a real person there, or it may have just been a figment of his imagination. It may have, in fact, been an angel, as Scripture says. But the bottom line is, all of us who have wrestled with a guilty conscience know what it is to have a restless night where we're constantly wrestling. At some point, Jacob realizes that his fight is with God. And that's really symbolic of his entire life, isn't it? For God had always wanted control of Jacob's life, but Jacob would not give it up. He would not surrender. And instead of living his life, trusting God, Jacob had always wanted to try to do everything his way, to try to get a leg over on somebody, to try to get a leg up on somebody, and to try to hold on as hard as he could to be in control and finally... Finally, he comes to grips with the fact that he can't control everything. Eventually, God forces Jacob to admit, I'm a heel grabber, I'm a tripster, I'm somebody who spent my entire life tripping other people up. And that's when God tells him, that's got to change. That's going to change. From here on, you'll be called Israel. Leave that in the past. And the reason is because Israel's meaning is he who fights victoriously with God. Jacob's limp would be a constant reminder to him that no matter how long he tried, he could never defeat God. And that brings me to the last step in how to restore relationships, and that is 
you have to ask for it. In, verse, in chapter 33, verses 1 through 3, it says here that Jacob looked and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. And as his plan, Jacob divided his family into four different groups. Leah and her children were in one group. Rachel and Joseph were in another group. The two maids and their children were in two other groups. And Jacob put the maids and their children first, and then he put Leah and her children behind them, and then he put Rachel, you might remember Rachel was the one he loved the most, he put her in the last group. And then Jacob himself went out before them while he was walking or limping toward his brother Esau, he bowed down to the ground seven times in his presence. You see, eventually we have to find the courage to face what we fear the most. You've probably heard the phrase, courage is not the absence of fear, but acting in spite of it. Now, maybe you've heard it attributed to Mark Twain or Franklin D. Roosevelt or some, somebody named Carly Florina or Oprah Winfrey or Rudy Giuliani. It doesn't really matter who said it. We understand the recognition of the reality and the truthfulness of that. Courage is not the absence of fear, but acting in spite of it. And that's what Jacob has to do. If he's ever going to have his relationship with Esau restored, he has to act in spite of his fear. Jacob not only responds with courage, but also with humility. It's not about going out and thumping his chest and kind of like that big bad wolf huffing and puffing and threatening to blow his house down. But instead, he bows before Esau seven times. People who have been offended are more likely to forgive those who ask in genuine humility. God wants us to have a humble and contrite heart, we're told in Psalm 51. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, James would tell us in chapter 4, verse 6. And here Jacob approaches Esau with the kind of humility that no doubt Esau couldn't believe, even though he saw it with his own eyes. For despite becoming a very powerful and wealthy man, Jacob now comes before Esau, humbled. In verses 4 through 11 of Genesis 33, it says, When Esau saw Jacob, he ran to meet him. Kind of sounds like the prodigal son's father, doesn't it? He put his arms around Jacob, and he hugged his neck, and he kissed him. Then they both cried, and Esau looked up, and he saw the women and the children, and he said, Who are all these people with you? And Jacob answered, These are the children that God gave me. God has been so good to me. And then the two maids and their children with them went to Esau, and they bowed down before him and showed him their respect. Leah and the children with her went to Esau and bowed down and showed him respect. And then Rachel and Joseph went to him and again bowed down and showed him respect. And Esau said, who are all these people that I saw when I was coming here? And what were all those animals for? And Jacob answered, well, these are my gifts to you so that you might accept me. Esau said, you don't have to give me gifts, brother. I have enough for myself. 
But Jacob said, no, I beg you, if you really accept me, please accept the gifts that I want to give to you. I'm very happy to see your face again. It's like seeing the face of God. I want you to accept me. I beg that you'll accept the gifts I give you, for God has been very good to me. I have more than I need. And because Jacob begged Esau to take the gifts, he finally accepted them. You know, here's an amazing truth of life. Time plus God equals healing. After a 20-year grudge, their relationship is finally restored because of humility and restitution and forgiveness. Esau then says, you can continue your journey. I'll Come, I'll go with you. But Jacob says, no, you know my children are young and weak. I have to be careful with my flocks and their young animals as well. If I force them to walk too far in one day, they'll all die. So you go on ahead. I'll follow you slowly. And, and I don't want them to get too tired. I'll meet you in a place called Seir. Esau says, well, at least let me leave some of my men to help you. Now, Jacob may have overcome some of his fear, but there's still some fear there, no doubt. And that's why he said, well, that's very kind of you, but there's no need to do that. So that day Esau started on his trip back to Seir, and Jacob went to a place called Succoth. And there he built a house for himself and some small shelters for his cattle. And that's why the place is named Succoth. Jacob and Esau may have reconciled, but they still gave each other space. It's kind of similar to the story of Abraham and his nephew Lot. Their herds and flocks have grown too large for each other to stay together, so they had to separate each into their own space. Same thing's true about reconciliation. Surrendering my right and reason for retaliation has to happen if we're going to reconnect and rebuild our own individual lives. Now, if you're reading through this story, you get to chapter 34, and it's a pretty gruesome story. It tells of the rape of Jacob's only daughter, Dinah, and the revenge that her family takes on those who were guilty. God reminds Jacob of his promise the first night on the run from Esau in a place called Bethel. You see, it was there that God reminds him of the promise made and the promise he's kept, that he had returned safely and been richly blessed. The story goes on to talk about how his beloved Rachel dies in childbirth with a second son, his final son, Benjamin, and she's buried in Bethlehem. And in, and in 27 through 29 of Genesis 35, Jacob goes to see his father Isaac. He's 180 years old. He's lived a long and full life. And when their father dies, here's the beautiful part of the story. Both Jacob and Esau are there to bury him together. Is there someone that you need to be reconciled to? Isn't it time you did what you could to make things right? Maybe that means you need to initiate the process of forgiveness. That's what God did. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1, verses 19 and following, that God was pleased for the fullness to dwell in Jesus, so that through Him, He might be able to reconcile all things, whether on heaven or in earth, and by making peace through His blood that was shed on the cross. And in verse 21 of Colossians 1, He says, Once you also were alienated from God. 
you also were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. Are you willing to trust God to do what he said? That's what Jacob had to learn. Are you willing to trust God when he says, I will bless you with forgiveness? That's what Jacob learned by experience. If you're ready for things to be right, if you're tired of being alienated and want to be together again with those who love you and those whom you love, if you're tired of being far away and want to be brought near again, whether it's to loved ones here or to God himself, isn't it time for you to swallow your pride, humble yourself, do whatever it takes to make things right, show respect, and ask for forgiveness? It's a great place to start in making things right when everything has been wrong. God bless you as you work that out in your life. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldorf Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.